today we're going to be talking about relationships. And on Facebook, I think there used to be a thing you could drop down and say, it's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> and that is, for many of us, the reality that we're in midlife. And I think now this is those of us who are Gen X and certainly as Gen Y come into this midlife time. Many of us have been maybe not in a relationship for a long time. Maybe we've never been in a long-term relationship. And we all know that it's harder than it ever was before. When I was a girl, <laughs> you met someone down the pub and it was, yeah, that's how it was. Now there are endless apps and swiping and much, much more complications. So I'm lucky to be joined today by Andrea Balboni. She is a sex, love, and relationship coach, and she's the founder of Lush Coaching. We are going to talk about how we find long-term committed relationships in midlife. Welcome to the show, Andrea. Thanks, Clarissa. So excited to be here. I'm just so delighted because we often talk about relationships in terms of issues in a relationship or divorce, but sometimes it isn't even easy to get off the ground, is it? Mm, no. And especially if you feel like you've been out of the game for a long time or with many people that I speak to, actually, they maybe never have even had a relationship. And so understanding where to start is a big question. Where do I start and how do I move forward? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Andrea, how common is it now to meet people who've never been in a committed relationship? It's actually more common than we think. So many women have been brought up to be very, very independent and focus on career and excel in career, which is amazing and important and fantastic, and have left relationship to the side because we learn that, oh, that'll just happen. It'll happen on its own. It'll come in on its own. And for many women, it does. But for many women, it, it also doesn't. And so there is, there are, there's a wave now of women who, um, who have had really, really fulfilling lives. They'll have great friendships, great social circles, have really healthy community around them, family and friends, a career that is challenging oftentimes, but that they're excelling at. And yet relationship remains a bit of a space where they just don't feel empowered to have it happen for them. As you say that, I'm picturing in my mind many fantastic women that I worked with who were younger than me by about 10 years when I worked in corporate. Women whose careers were so successful and yet they were still single. And that was actually something that was beginning to become a bit of an issue for them, that they could see other women you know, with families, having babies, doing whatever we, in inverted commas, seem to think is a normal pathway and not necessarily that it is. But that relationship evaded them, even though they were incredibly attractive and successful women. Mm. And it's, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's my own personal experience. So I was one of those women <laughs> where career is challenging, but I could, I did it. I was succeeding and yet relationship was tough. And at a certain point, I even created more space for it in my life because sometimes 
will say, will turn and say, turn towards those women and say, okay, well, you've just focused on your career the whole time. And that's why, and that's why it hasn't happened. You've been focusing on your career. And it's not always true because whilst we focus on career, we hold very, very deeply a desire to be in a committed relationship, to share our lives and to have partnership. And we have, like I was saying, we oftentimes have really full social lives. So it's not that we're not, we're working so hard that we don't get out. And so that would always be something that I would kind of, it would kind of make me shrink back a bit because I would say, yes, I'm focusing on my career, but so are many of my friends who have managed to find relationship and be in partnership. And so it doesn't, I'm working hard and I'm working maybe long hours and things and I'm excelling, but it doesn't feel like there's not space for that in my life. It's just not happening. And I don't know how to um, foster whether it's the space or time, but more the space and time within me, like the space within my, within my heart or whatever needed to happen. What, what did need to shift? I couldn't really understand because yes, I had a career that was successful. And yes, I had time to date. And yes, I had time for a relationship. It just wasn't happening, if that makes sense. I think it makes perfect sense because that makes me relate to people that I know who are friends of mine. They did have very full social lives and we used to talk to them and they'd been doing so many great things on the weekend. They had great friends. They they were not, as you said, sitting at home and just doing work, 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 work. They were out there and they were traveling and Everything was about being a really outward and still it didn't happen or it only lasted or we heard disaster stories and horrific dates and lots of heartbreak too in this. Yeah. So it's, so that, I think that's really important to just note and to make note of because when people will turn to women and say, oh, it's just because you focused on your career as in that's come at it and you've sacrificed everything else in that. It doesn't have to be, so you can have a super successful career and also have a relationship. You can't have one without the other or one happens at the sacrifice of the other. It's not that. It's something different. That's something different, yes. Yeah. Um, dating today is quite complicated, isn't it? <laughs> dating for me has always felt complicated. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> so dating today um, on the surface looks, oh, you've got more options than ever. You've got more people. There's a wider network. You can, you'll, you know, before it would just happen at work or at the pub or the neighbor next door. And now look, you've got the whole entire city or the world at your fingertips. And yet it's relationships in general. And then dating in particular is quite can be quite complicated or feel quite complicated and yes and also there are ways to simplify it and smooth things out so that it feels better to us feels better in our systems feels better in our experience of it so yeah I would say yes and I think that's an inter it is complicated but it's more than that isn't it and you're right people go to Tinder and they swipe left and swipe right and they blame the system. But it's not just the apps that are making it. Uh, is there a shift in people's approach to dating? Is mm. that part of it, Andrea? Yeah, there. there's definitely, 
on the one hand, there's this sense of consumer culture really taking hold and the swiping left and right and everything is is disposable and throwawayable quite easy. And then there's an undercurrent of, I would say, especially with mindfulness and people slowing down and knowing that slowing down is important and meditation becoming more prevalent, yoga becoming more prevalent and that having that being a movement. That there's definitely also a desire at the same time for a more conscious or slower way of dating and being beginning relationship as well. So it feels like there are a couple of currents happening. And so if your life does feel like it's more of the former where things are really fast, always disposable, you're skipping from one thing to the next, then the likelihood of you experiencing dating that way is going to be pretty high. If you're slowing down and um, moving through life in a different way, a bit more conscious and present, then that can also be reflected in what happens in dating as well. As how you're meeting people. Yeah, that's very interesting. I think that's almost like two sides of how it can be. And Mm -hmm. you're right, there has been, I think, maybe particularly pre-lockdown, all this very quick, fast, in, out, in, out, because you could meet someone and you could do what I did and look at the person from a distance and decide not to go forward with the date. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But now I think maybe we've had a bit of time to be more conscious. And I think you're right. There is a underlying mindful dating movement at all ages, isn't there? Absolutely. And COVID, if one thing did shift in online dating, was it brought back courtship? So there was more time to and space to get to know someone a bit more over time before you met them and then maybe made a a fast decision of yes or no. You would have a conversation with someone. You might have a video chat with someone before you actually even met them. You'd get to know them a little bit more. So it brought courtship back to a degree, which was people were really enjoying. It felt really good to people. So. There's also the digital space, which doesn't feel like a natural playing field for most people. Almost everyone I speak to will say with vehemence, I hate apps. I hate online dating. And yet there's a recognition that that's where a lot of people are. And that's where a lot of opportunity to meet people is. And so how do we then come into relationship with the apps and online dating? in a way that feels more balanced and just more healthy because you've started to mention that the apps aren't always designed to help us out (laughs) when it comes to finding love it's like the irony that they're designed in a certain way to keep us on and and therefore single and that's there's some truth to that for sure and so how do you then work with that one method that's just one way of meeting people and have it feel better in your system, have it bring better results for you. And that's what I work with people on a bit as well. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting perspective on two fronts there, Andrew. What you said was, obviously, how do we make something that is now so ubiquitous? Yet, I don't I haven't met many people who felt that it was a good experience overall. That being said, I will share with the listeners that I did meet my husband on Tinder. As did I. Ah, there we are. And that being conscious about that was a possible way of meeting someone. 
and it felt okay, but I'd had a 15-year break from messing about on apps because I really had lost faith in the sort of people that I met on there. Hmm. I also want to add that because we often will say focus on the platform or the technology or the thing is the solution and it's that was absolutely 100% not how I got to meet I met my partner on tinder is an easy kind of like over headline but actually how I met my partner happened way before I was even on tinder and meeting him there so what actually needed to happen were shifts within me on much deeper levels before I was ready to invite someone into my world. I had thought conceptually that I was ready. Yeah, I want a relationship. Yes, I, I really am creating space for this. On the outside, it looked like I was doing all the right things, but what really wanted working through and understanding and smoothing out and, co and coming to was knowing myself in ways that I thought I had but actually didn't. And that's what made it work. So whether it would, had been Tinder, whether it had been at the grocery store, whether it had been at work, whether the space and the place, the platform, the arena didn't really matter because I had done enough inner works and working through stuff on myself to be able to open up to the opportunity of what showed up on Tinder, who showed up on Tinder, yeah. who showed up in the line at the, the supermarket, who showed up at work. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that makes perfect sense, Andrew, that it isn't really this platform versus that platform. It isn't the technology. So, right, it's our own journey. And I suppose part of that is, is being ready and ready to allow another person into our space. Yeah, so you had mentioned for yourself that it was a 15-year break and space from all of that, the game, as they say. Yeah. So anytime anyone comes to me and says, I don't know how to play the game, that always tells me, okay, the fact that it feels like a game that you've got to play or something that you've got to figure out and have a strategy to is a very outward kind of focused approach when really what happens, what wants to shift is the inner game. So what's happening with you? What's going on inside of you? Exactly. Understanding, yeah, understanding what's keeping, what has kept you from actually having this thing that you really want in your life. Yes, I, and I can understand that because so many women are not clear about what they want. And when I was in that kind of, and there, as you say, there's not just apps, but there's speed dating and heaven and knows what I've mm -hmm. been personally involved in. But I wasn't ready to let a person in. And I saw many women who weren't and have had very interesting conversations with my now husband about the women he dated from his perspective and how he often said they want me to rescue them from a life they don't like. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a very observant thing. And he said, and I, I couldn't go in a relationship with somebody who thought, that I can, he wasn't a very good candidate at the time, and of course has to disclose his mental health issues. And women run for the hills when he says that, but yeah, and they do because then that doesn't fit whatever is in their head to be saved from. Mm. And and I I wonder how you see that in the context of the people that you work with. That sometimes that's 
we're not clear about what we really want and see this as a way of getting out of a life we don't like. Mm. So it's a funny it's a funny thing with me because with the people that I tend to work with, they'll feel pretty happy with their lives. So they generally feel pretty happy with their careers. They feel happy with their social lives. And so it's just this relationship piece that doesn't fit. So they're not necessarily looking for a solution in that way. What wants solutioning are aspects of themselves that want bringing forward and coming out that they feel they haven't been able to express because they've been on their own. So most of the women that I speak to will say, I feel like I'm nailing it in life. Like, life's pretty good. I've got a great career. Financially, I'm stable. I'm independent. I travel. I have friendships. I have hobbies. I have things that I do. I just want to share this with someone. I just want to share my life with someone. I want to be with someone and share it. And so the spaces and places where maybe they're not ready are a bit different in that they'll say things. Some women will say, I don't even know where to begin to say what or articulate what I want. Not because I don't know what it is, but because I believe I can't have it, that it doesn't exist. Is it even out there? Is this even possible? Like, is what I want so far out there that I can't even have it? And therefore, I know what I want. But to claim it, to put it down on paper, to state it and then say, yes, that is what I'm going to have for myself. I'm going to have it. That's where there's a, the stuckness. That's where they get a bit. There's a tripping up kind of thing. It's so scary to actually state and claim what you do want because you may not get it or it may not be possible or it might not exist that they that you that's really the first step. Yeah, so those are really quite big internal blocks, aren't they, Andrea? <laughs> yeah. Huge. And it can feel really scary to claim what you want because you might not get it. Or you, there's a fear that it might not be available for you. And so the very first step with, with women that I work with is to say, okay, let's, we create a, what I call a vision statement. So it's a vision for their relationship and begin to really bring that into not just their minds so they'll be able to articulate clearly what they want because oftentimes they'll have worked on that level okay i've written my list of things that i want and then okay my heart how will i feel when i have it i haven't ever had it or it's been so long since i've had it i don't even know what it will feel like okay so we want to start to work with bringing online the emotional element of it and how you how it's going to feel in your heart when you have it Ah, okay. All right. And then we'll, we'll do some work there. We'll get there. And then what also wants to happen is bringing it into their body. So how's your body going to feel? How is your physical body going to feel when your heart is full and when you have this person in your life so that their nervous system starts to become attuned to what they want to have in their lives so that the fear gets smoothed out. Yeah. And is that a fear of failing or a fear of not being sure or? So the fear that will show up when you bring that vision state, that desire into the body, then the body generally pushes up and forward what wants to be seen. So sometimes it'll be past heartbreak that will show up that wants healing. 
Sometimes it'll be a fear of closeness that comes from childhood. So there's a lot on it. You start getting into the realm of early attachment, early relationships with caretakers, and that really defines how we connect with intimacy and vulnerability and being with someone. So sometimes it's early childhood stuff that'll come up. Sometimes it'll feel like we don't actually know where the fear comes from and you can work with it if you don't actually know. So sometimes for some people, it'll feel like actually I don't, the body tells us, okay, it's not necessarily from this particular moment or that particular moment. It's just a fear that I have of speaking my truth or a fear that I have of asking for what I want or a fear of too much closeness and then I'll no longer feel free or a, feel, a fear of being overwhelmed by the intimacy, by the closeness of someone, and so I need more space. So there's all different ways that things can show up that are actually in our way. Yes, and we are they are really subconscious, aren't they? They're not, until we work with someone like yourselves, we don't even know and certainly can't articulate them. But yeah, so they do show up on... A lot of different levels. Some still, some people will have gone and done some work and understand context, like on a conceptual level what's happening. And a lot of the stuff is underlying. It sits in our subconscious. And so if you've done a lot of, especially in talk therapy, it can start to unearth some of this stuff. And then what wants to happen is once you, sometimes you need to understand the story. We call it the story behind things. Other times you can begin to move through things and move forward, even without understanding fully all of the reasons why something may not be happening or someone may not be coming closer or why you always say yes to the wrong people who seem right. So yeah, so working with the body, especially as much as with the emotions and the mind, when you have the whole person there in front of you and you're working with all parts of you, then you get more answers, not just to the why are things not happening, but also to the solutions and ways to move forward. Yeah, so really those deeper underlying feelings that do, they show up in the body, don't they? They show up as tightness, mm -hmm. fear. Yeah, talk a bit more about that because I think people may maybe not be aware of some of the ways that they can show up. Yeah, so when you, if you notice that in certain situations when there's a time when maybe you want to ask for what you want or speak your truth, even with friendships, so even with the closest relationships, with intimate relationships, which can be our closest friendships with our family, one of the main things that shows up for a lot of people is being able to really voice what they want and ask for what they want as well. And so you may experience like a throat tightening or a closure in your throat. Your chest can tighten, so a lot of people will feel a tightness in their chest, constriction in their chest, or butterflies in their belly. So these are all messages from our body that there's something there that wants addressing and looking at. There's some part of us that doesn't actually feel safe to be able to ask for what we want. Doesn't feel safe to open up to someone or open our hearts to someone. And sometimes it's because the right person isn't there in front of us. And other times it's because there's something within us that's really afraid to open up to anyone or to anything that wants to come close. Now, that can come from so many different places, can't it, Andrea? Like you said, Absolutely. our childhood, 
a trauma, maybe the way we've been socialized at home and at work? Yeah, for me, it was a lot of society and culture. And as I'm a heterosexual woman, so for me, I got a lot of negative messaging around men that they were out for one thing, that there was, that they couldn't be trusted, that I had to be on my own and independent, that I could never ask for help from them, actually. That, so it was a lot of conflicted messaging because then Hollywood tells you another thing. <laughs> and so even though I thought that I had let go of some of that stuff, I was actually carrying it with me. And so it really made it difficult for me to open up to and feel safe with men, even guys who weren't threatening, because I always held that belief in me that, can I trust them? Are they really altruistic? Are they really feeling? Do they have emotions? Do they just want sex? Are they out to just get something, take it and then run? And so whilst part of me, like I was saying, like on a, con on a conceptual level, no, no, of course, guys are amazing. There was, there were there, these underlying bits, these beliefs and, and feelings that I have that I was holding really tightly in my body that wanted releasing so that I could open up more and trust more. And I thought that was one that there were so many women listening to this who think, God, that so relates to how I was. And I can relate to that too. I grew up with a father who was very difficult. So a lot of the, my relationships with men had that unresolved and... I was told the same message as you, that men are not to be trusted. They let you down. They are to be kept at arm's length. And so you either don't meet anyone and wonder why it's happening, but you don't really know why. Who's just like your father? <laughs> <laughs> because that becomes um, your reference point. And that was certainly, I kept attracting men that couldn't be trusted and that were uh, likely to let me down that were not committed to relationships and mm -hmm. that was a long time and that when somebody nice came along I uh, chopped them out of my life quite but how did you shift that I think part of that for me was about coming into first healing the relationship that I'd had with my father mm -hmm. on a subconscious level and to realize that you know one person's side of the story, and I love my mom, and neither of my parents are alive now, was probably not the whole truth. Mm -hmm. That there were bigger conversations in there that had never been brought to the surface. I was actually deeply touched when my half-sister half reached out to me. I've never met her personally. I have two half-sisters and a half-brother we've never met. But when she got in touch with me and said, he really wanted to know that you were okay and he didn't have the courage to talk to you before he died, then I realized that maybe some of the stories that I'd heard were maybe not correct and needed to be reassessed. Mm -hmm. And working through some of, and looking at some of the qualities that I did want in a person helped me personally to move through. And caring for myself more, having more self-compassion for myself allowed me to be able to open up. When I learned that I could love me, then I knew that when I did that, I could learn to love another person. But I was, 50, but I was 50, 55, 56 before I could do that. Yeah, it took me 40, my partner at 43, but I had been working with stuff for years before that because it takes a minute to understand what's going on and then also finding the right kind of tools, the right 
guides, the right support to help you through. And that's part of it as well. And so now I feel like there are a lot, there's so many more resources. There's so many more people doing this work, which is amazing because even 10 years ago, it was really tough. I didn't really resonate with kind of the Cracker Jack culture stuff that was like, why men marry bitches and stuff like that just didn't resonate with me. It just didn't feel right. And so I had to do a different, find my own way. And it sounds like you really did a similar thing where you eventually came to understand, okay, these are the things that are blocking me and got, I'm going to assume you got some support in working through them. I certainly did. Initially, I'd gone to a dating coach and they kept wanting me to be someone I wasn't. I don't do nice tea and put on makeup and look in a certain way because that isn't me. I'm me. And I've always been very sure about me. So I think that was the first thing to park some of that (laughs) and to create space for all this dating noise. But I was very, very, very fortunate to come and train as a mindfulness teacher and Karen Hall is a great friend of mine. She was also my mentor through that practitioner course. And she sat down and looked at me and she said, did you skip that bit? And I said, what do you mean? She said, the work on self-compassion. What is happening here? And she helped me to realize that a lot of where my blockages were, they just didn't love me. And it was very revealing. And she helped me with support and with some really fundamental books and I've talked a lot about this in the podcast before but I'm eternally grateful to Christopher Christopher Germer's book uh, The Mindful Path to Mm Self-Compassion and and that book gave me so much insight and practical ways to start to learn to love myself and I didn't (laughs) expect that for me was the journey and a very good friend of mine who said date yourself first Mm-hmm. She said, and when you do that for you, you're also in a space where you could maybe allow yourself to date another person. And that's exactly what I meant to just circle background when you asked me, what do you, and when your husband said, oh, they want me to rescue them from their life. So that's where, that's what wants reflecting is, okay, what aspects of my life or of me feel unfulfilled or unrealized or unmet? And how can I begin to foster that in my life, give that to myself? What community might I have around me? What people may be around me? Maybe it's even time in nature. How can I begin to give myself some of the things that I desire in relationship with another? Exactly. And I think that comes on to this whole area of how do we give ourselves space, confidence, and permission to become intimate with another person. Mm-hmm. So with one of the things that I teach is a course called Jade Bliss, with a tool called the Jade Egg or the Yoni Egg, which some people may know, some people don't. But really what the point of the whole entire journey is to come into close proximity with your pleasure, to really understand what in what is what feels really good to you and your body and this is erotic pleasure this is pleasure on all levels and it starts with with self-compassion self-pleasure developing that as a practice so if we're talking about we're, we're talking about intimacy that's emotional intimacy where we understand our hearts and our hearts desires we understand our emotions better 
And then as far as physical intimacy, so being with someone physically, there can be, especially if you haven't been with someone ever or with someone for a very long time, there can be, we can really begin to lose our confidence in ourselves as sexual, sensual beings and our expression of that and how we share that with another person. Yeah. And so... Yeah. So what wants to happen is a journey first back to ourselves, to our own bodies, to our own experience of pleasure, to our own expression of pleasure when our when we're on our own, feeling safe and secure when we're on our own, our expression of that, and really understanding the language of love, the language of intimacy, the language of pleasure, our blueprint, our the map of our body for pleasure, where it shows up, how it shows up, what kind of touch facilitates it what context facilitates it do you want quiet soft lighting warm warmth music do we need to feel we've had time to detox from the day what are the things that we need to really drop into that space of pleasure and intimacy with ourselves and through that process of self-knowing comes forward quite naturally a confidence in ourselves and our sexual expression in our expression of intimacy and love and and so we think that one of the things that many women will come to with is but when i've got to describe my experience and i don't have that much or it has been so long and can i it's it's they're worried about what the other person's going to think or experience about their past about the story that they're having. Um, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so when a woman comes into the knowing, this deep knowing of closeness to her pleasure and what and how it shows up in her body, and how it's expressed, that all melts away because you're, there's such a knowing of what feels good and what is good for you that it's, it becomes who you are rather than something that you've got to put on for someone at a certain point in the relationship. Which is it's very hard to dating yourself, isn't it? In the sense yes. that you're beginning to know yourself and bring pleasure to yourself before you feel it's somebody else's job or to do. Yeah. So as we come more and more into right relationship with ourselves, we're able to take care of ourselves emotionally. We can hold ourselves. Some people, Gabor Mate, will call it um, self-parenting, where we can take care of the parts of ourselves that need holding. We can take ourselves on dates. We can have self-pleasure sessions that feel really, really good. The more and more we show up for ourselves and can do that for ourselves, the easier it is not only to open up to someone else, but to have someone else in our space and have them feel that they desire us because we're confident, we exude confidence, but also because they know that they do, don't have to do this job of being someone else's muse or taking care of the whole entire world, which is really um, a relationship of an adult to a child. So the child expects the adult to take care of them, to sweep them away, to take them on holidays, to take care of them when they cry, to do all the things. And yes, in relationship, we want to be supported. We're not in it to be independent fully. It's interdependence where we're there for each other and we're also there for ourselves. 
And so when we can be there for ourselves, we can also be there for another person and we can also create space for pleasure, for enjoyment, for that relationship to become something more than just the two of us, just the two of you. Yeah, that's, and that is a big journey for many women. And I think particularly those of us who are maybe a little older, we may have had intimate relationships in the past that have been less than that. Mm. and we've settled for less mm-hmm. and the fact is we're learning to know that we don't have to do that or conform in a particular way to what pleasure means to us no and that's been a massive shift that's been happening for women really understanding that pleasure is ours it's our birthright we carry it within us. No one can give it to us or bring it to us. So people can support and bring it out in us. But it's also something that is is part of who we are and can be experienced and expressed on our own as much as with someone else. Yeah. And that is, I think that is the beauty. And I think that shifts, I think, our whole relationships into something that I think you describe as being soulful and sensual rather than purely sexual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sometimes it's wonderful to have wild, physical, kind of crazy kind of sex. And other times it's really nice to have slow, sensual, soft experience of intimacy and, and sex. And other times it's wonderful to feel sexy and vibrant and alive in intimacy. And other times, it wants a gentle unfolding. So there are all these different ways of being in closeness with someone, having sex with someone, and experiencing all these different flavors of energy, of experience with another. And no one or other has to define you. You can be them all. You can embrace them all. You can experience them all. And because we are every, we are all of it. We are at once wild. We are raw desire sometimes for softness and delicacy. Other times for sensuality. Other times in smoothness. Other times it's passion and fiery and fast. And other times it's slow like molasses and honey. So all of that. And why not? Yeah, why not? <laughs> why not indeed? I, just, I, I think that it, you know, we are only limited by our own minds in that space and the way we have been taught to to think to be how to be yeah and it's all a work in progress as well so it's not that you've got to be perfect or perfectly in order because we never are the journey continues <laughs> all of the things that i share that i teach that i explore with my clients i'm also working on myself so i always say i'm in the arena with you i'm right next to you we're all here in this together because it's very true. <laughs> it, it, I understand. It is, yeah. it is indeed. And I think that that is, and that is, makes it that it's a very human experience and that there's no exact blueprint on how this works for us as individuals. No, it's, it really is that just enough wants shifting, just enough wants understanding, just enough wants moving through for you to be able to open to another person who is in a similar space with it all as you and wants and desires growth and expansion and thriving in relationship as much as support and safety. Yeah. 
just enough needs to shift, just enough needs to be moved through. And then when you're in the relationship, the continuation of that work happens. And that I think is an incredibly important point because I think sometimes that stops when you found the relationship. That is something that can just suddenly, I don't know, end, you know, of the relationship now. And, and yeah. I suppose what you're saying is that this is, is the beginning, not the end of that. Yeah, absolutely. 100,000%. Everything that I did in the years running up to the relationship that I have now prepared me for <laughs> the relationship that I'm now in and made it a really smooth takeoff, even after a lifetime of, I had 15 years as well of single, really prepared me to have a really smooth, easy launch into relationship and to be able to maintain both the safety and security that I feel and the sparkle and the aliveness and the desire and the passion as well. And it's a work in progress. It wants focus. It wants uh, attention. It wants energy. And that's beautiful because like you, I, I have a suspicion that you are one of these people, but most, not everyone, but most people that, well, everyone that comes to me for sure describes what they want as a growth relationship where they're going to be challenged, where they'll continue to grow and expand within the relationship, where they'll thrive. They're not in it to just sit there and stare at the walls now that they've got it. They really want growth and expansion. It's one of the desires that they have to be in yeah. relationships. So I think that is very true. And I think growth relationships move in different directions, as I've learned now. Sometimes they're moving on a mental level. Sometimes they're about working together on things that don't always work. Mm -hmm. Being really open with each other and being allowed to express those emotions, those needs. And sometimes they're about more intimate aspects of the relationship. And it's always unfolding. And you're weaving and learning every single day with each other and becoming, I'd say, more and it's not always as overt. It's more subtly understanding that person's on an energetic level. Yeah. And those nuances are so beautiful. The more you come close to someone and open up to those nuances within yourself, like all the different layers of being and getting in touch with them, all the different parts of you allows you to really open up and connect with another in that way. And we're, like you say, always evolving and changing and shifting. Yeah staying present in the relationship as things shift for you and your reality and being with the other person as things shift for them and the fluidity of that can feel at sometimes scary because things are always changing but then also freeing and like there's breath and space to move and grow exactly if someone was in that space where maybe they haven't had a relationship they want to move the bar where would they begin Andrea mm. great question <laughs> so if you if it's something that you've been working with for a really long time you then some people will have possibly done some self-introspection some kind of looking inwards that's a great place to begin mindfulness is always a great place to begin starting to become more mindful there's so much out there for that 
And then if you're are if you've already been doing loads of work, so if you've already been in, some people will be in therapy for years. Some people will have done self development on a, a mind level for a long time. If you find stuck in that you have, you understand the concepts, you understand what's blocking you, but you haven't been able to really shift and make moves forward, then I would say that the deeper way, I don't know if it's deeper or different, but a way of working also with your body is going to be hugely beneficial and likely the catalyst that you need to actually propel you forward. I guess I skipped your question a little bit because a lot of the people that I speak to because they're older will have been worrying and working and like flooding along in this thing for a long time and just haven't been able to really shift things or move the bar. So what really, what I noticed in my own journey that worked for me, and this is why I do the work that I do, is that especially when it's relational and then also to deal doing with having to do with sex and intimacy that working with the physical body on a body level is powerful and is what really really move things forward quickly for me and for the people that I work with they'll just describe it as incredible how efficiently the body is at letting us know what's really holding them back still and also where the solutions lie in moving forward so when I say the body, it's almost—it's almost you can think of it as working with the subconscious more directly yeah. to understand what's going on there, and also the power that you have in you, the capacity, the ability, the agency that you have within you, locating that and leveraging it to move you forward. That's so beautiful, Andrea. I love this conversation because it's rich, and we could carry on talking forever. How can people? get in touch with you? How can they uh, find out more about your work and maybe even choose to work with you? Yeah. So I am online, of course, at Lush Coaching. So it's L-U-S-H coaching.com. So there, I'm there and then I'm in social spaces. So Boney, first name, last name, underscore Lush on Insta. In Facebook, I've got a group called Find Modern Love. So if you search for Find Modern Love, then you can join the group there. And then I just love to hear from people directly. So if you've heard this and it speaks to you or you're just curious and want to know more, then direct message me, pop me an email. Yeah, and we'll have a chat. I'd love to hear where you're at or where anyone's at, where this is really, there's something in it, there's something there. And then, yeah, see what might be the next right step for for you. That's beautiful. And we will put that in the show notes. So if people hear this and they want to follow up, they can go to the show notes and they can get all the links to connecting with you. Andrea, I want to thank you so much for this conversation. I feel that many people will have gained insight and ways that they might be thinking Ah, oh, I'm stuck here in this relationship or non-relationship, should I say, and there is a way forward for me. Mm, there's absolutely a way forward. And if I were going to leave any kind of sparkle or magic or golden nugget or anything in there, it's yeah, after doing this work for years and having done the work on myself, and you're also a testament 
commitment to this, Clarissa, that it will shift. Stay with it. It will shift. And we're here to support you. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Andrew. My pleasure. Thank you, Clarissa. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.